Hello and welcome to another episode of The Lost Broadcasts, a show about TV shows that tried and failed to be the next Lost. As always, I am your host, Hannah. I'm Esther. Hi, and we are officially done with our prologue season. That is in the rearview mirror. I never am going to think about the year 2005 again. Nope. Instead, what do we got on tap for today, Esther? Uh, well, if you thought we were going to the year 2006, you're wrong. Um... <laughs> yeah. Easy, rookie mistake, frankly. You really uh, had no idea what you were talking about. Yeah, I- one year progressing to another. What do you think this is? The reunion episode? <laughs> no, we're skipping around a little from now on just to sort of get things that um, we think are really significant and worth talking about. Yeah. You know, up front, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our structure is kind of like up in the air. We might like do little thematic blocks, like ones that are about post-apocalypses versus ones that are about um, like six unconnected strangers suddenly become enmeshed in connections. Uh, There's a lot of different styles of Lost, so who knows where we're going to end up. But for now, we know where we are. We know where we are. We're in the fall of 2009 Mm -hmm. on the ABC network. um, And we're talking about Flash Forward. Yeah. Um, This, once again, uh, is another ABC production. We remember uh, our first episode ever, Invasion, was about uh, ABC's (laughs) attempt after season one of Lost to have another Lost. Yeah. Concurrent with season two of Lost. Um, This show premiered in between seasons five and six, the final season of Lost. Uh, Sort of their last Hail Mary, basically, to be like, all right, we're losing... the magic back. We're we're losing Lost in about six months. Uh, Can we get get anything? Can we get anything going? Yeah. Um, And and a big part of why I wanted to flash forward to this one, so to speak, is that... Of those prologue season shows that we discussed, all of them, uh, we would talk about how, like, this is a little bit of a corner case, isn't it? It's obviously heavily influenced by stuff that isn't lost. It doesn't meet a lot of our criteria super well. Um, No such corner case exists here. No. (laughs) We wanted to find a thing that was the most shamelessly, like, please let us be the next lost. Something that, like had several seasons worth of Lost to, like, look over the, their shoulder and be like, oh, I'm going to do that, too. Mm-hmm. About all the most, like, popular episodes, all the most, like, iconic imagery, etc. This is a show that has no sense of shame. It has no sense of dignity. And um, that makes it the perfect Lost alike. Yeah. We'll, we'll get later in the episode into, you know, the ways that it was marketed and talked about at the time. Uh, the showrunners were a little cagey about lost comparisons and uh you know we'll, we'll talk about why that is and the ways in which that was hmm. um the media was not buying it the media was like <laughs> is this the next lost this looks like the next lost because obviously it was it obviously was it was lost, being marketed yeah. exactly that way um it was being you know uh, pushed as a lost replacement because lost was had become a springtime show by that point so yeah. if you were in the fall waiting for it to return ABC was like, oh, well, we'll this is the new thing. A we'll new sci-fi mystery thing with with clues and, and whatever. Um, we, okay, we're dancing around it a little. We hated this show. Yeah. Um, like, from almost, from pretty much episode one, we hated this show. Um, <gasps> and, and, you know, maybe it's we were being, I thought, at first a little unfair because we both liked Reunion a lot and it was a big surprise. And I think we were both kind of like... Um, Oh my God, uh, 
this is not reunion. This and, and maybe we're being a little harsh on it. Um, no, as the show goes on, it just gets so much worse uh, and worse and worse and worse. And it's 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 kind of unwatchable. It's, it's funny because I remembered this one because I watched Lost Live, of course. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the ads for this one, and I think I may have even like there may have been a thing of like iTunes would like give away certain pilots for free when the new season started to promote them. Oh, that's really rough. And I, th- I haven't told you this yet, but I think I remember. Like, you know, because these are the kinds of shows that I would watch. Yeah. I got the pilot of Flash Forward on iTunes, but I don't remember watching more than, like, a couple minutes of it. I think immediately I was just, like, even back in 2009, when I was, like, 15 years old. Yeah. I was, like... Back when you were, like, just tweeting out stuff like, Wow, Heroes has characters. (laughs) Hashtag good characters. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And Flash Forward did not have good characters, as was immediately apparent to me, and was as was apparent to us. Yeah. Um, as the show went on, why don't why don't we why don't we tell them what it's about? Yeah, what is the deal yeah. with the show? Okay, so Flash Forward is a one-hour action mystery thriller with sci-fi elements that aired on ABC for twenty-two episodes. Let's unpack a couple ideas in there. Number one, uh, this is the first one of these to receive a full season order. In fact, since Invasion. Oddly enough, um, there, there's some weird hullabaloo on the Wikipedia page about how it was picked up for some, like 18 episodes, but then they extended it to 25 episodes, but then the final season is only 22 episodes. It's very weird. And you definitely get the impression that they were, the network was immediately very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, less and less and less so, much like the audience became less and less and less excited by it. Yeah. Um, and then the other element of this uh, that we're going to really dive into is, note that I did not say that it was a action mystery sci-fi thriller. Um, I used that great qualifier with sci-fi elements. Mm-hmm. Because this is one of the supernatural ones. This is one of the ones where like an unexplained event happens uh, that's supposed to change the world completely. But what we're going to find is that the show is completely uninterested in it in various ways, right? Yeah. The, so the the basic sort of pre- high-level premise is that mm-hmm. um, on October 6th, through 2009, everyone on Earth blacks out for two minutes and 17 seconds. Yeah. And during that period, everyone gets a vision of themselves and where they will be um, about six months from that point on April 29th, 20, 2010. Everyone, Esther? Well, that <laughs> here's the thing. Is it everyone? It's not everyone. Um, and this is something that in a better show would be a, like a sort of small little quirk of the world building, but that on Flash Forward is like extremely central to pretty much every part of the main narrative. Yeah. Um, some people didn't have Flash Forwards. And what that leads them to believe is that they will be dead in six months. Yeah. And one of the main characters, as we'll talk about, that is the case for him, and the mystery of of why that is the case and if he will die and how will they prevent it just becomes, like, a key part of the show. And it's such a fucking, you know, unforced error to be like, all right, this is the Flash Forward show. What should we focus on? Let's focus on the guy who didn't have one. <laughs> yes. If you're going to do that, then it should be, like, one of those... Um, it should be, like, My Hero Academia, where it's, like, everyone in the world has a quirk and we're going to focus <laughs> yes. on the one kid who doesn't have one. Uh, but instead, yeah, they're obsessed with it. Um, 
something that I just realized as you were saying that is that there's like in early episodes a couple characters like trying to reassure him that like no we don't know that it means that like you're dead in six months maybe you're just asleep at the time and I don't think they ever establish whether like being asleep like gives you no flash forward in the same way um so what's interesting is on this is from later in my research we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah. But I found out that in... this is So this show is based on a book by uh-huh. Robert J. Sawyer. Yeah. Um, in the book, because obviously, something the show never addresses, by the way, at this exact moment when this when the blackout happens, half of the world is asleep because it's nighttime. Yeah. And they never address, like, well, what, did, what happened to them? Like, yeah, it's they, like... It's like the time of day is uh, that the flash forward eventually like yeah. culminates at that like six months ahead time it's like i think like 10 p.m in los angeles yeah and it happens the blackout at like in on um, in the morning in los angeles yeah so what about all the people who were asleep when the blackout happened in the book it turns out that all of those people just had they had flash forwards but they experienced them as dreams while they were asleep mm. and you know when you know unusually vivid dreams basically and when the news about the flash forward started to happen that's when people on the other side of the world realized that what they experienced as dreams was the same thing Gosh. the show never gets into this even though one of the characters in a very important plot line was in Japan at the time <laughs> It just never explained, like, oh, so she just didn't black out? Like, I don't know. It's a, it's a fucking... The degree to which the show does not take its premise seriously yeah. is startling. We're we're getting sidetracked. Um, we are going to be cinema-sensing this as much as we try to resist that. It's impossible not to. It's just... It is... It's so stupid. It's It's impossible to not be, like, a really corny YouTuber who watches this and is like here's my five ideas for how to make this show better. Yeah. So, like, cyberbully me if I do that too much. Again, I'm Esther. Cyberbully <laughs> me at capybaroness <laughs> on twitter.com. No. Send me, like, the most awful DMs you could possibly think of. Don't I deserve do it. it. Don't do it. Um, but, yeah, so, like, uh, we always talk about, like, what is the intended scope of the mystery? Here, it's, like, three big questions um, that the show kind of, like, is interested into various levels. One of those questions is what caused the flash forward? Um, another question is, is there a risk of another one occurring? And the third one is, are the events that people saw in their flash forwards fated to happen? Are they inherently going to happen? Are they just lies entirely? What's the deal with them? Yeah. And the show, I think, unfortunately, really focuses on the first thing there, like, to the detriment of especially the last thing. Because you would think in the premise of the show, the most interesting part of this premise is the last part. Is like, yeah. are we just, like, are the flash-forwards going to happen, whether we like it or not? Is there anything we can do to stop it? Yeah. Um, is the fact that we saw the future in the first place, does that give us the ability to stop it? Because we know what will happen and we have control over our own actions. Yeah, like, what starts to happen to us, like, as we find ourselves hurtling towards that? Like, if it's April 28th and it's like, oh, I'm, like, halfway across the country from where my flash forward is supposed to take place. Like, what do I do in that circumstance? Do I feel like a a pull to get on a flight? Do I, like, you know, actively try to resist it? Does resisting it cause it to happen? Like... 
it's just not interested in that question. And I mean, what eventually comes to pass is like, most of the characters have flash forwards that they want to happen. So they like actively pursue it happening. Mm-hmm. And half of the characters who have flash forwards that they don't want to happen, they did. Yeah. They just sort of the universe forces it on them. So like, yeah. there's really no answer to that question. It, it, the show is deeply disinterested in the idea of like being able to avoid your yeah. fate. And what the show is much more concerned with than the actual, like, kind of content of the Flash Wars and how that affects people is the blackout part of it. And even that only in selective ways. Um, because they, they do mention that there are 20 million global deaths from the blackout. Like, yeah. obviously, like, if somebody's flying a plane and it's a blackout, then, like, probably that plane's going to crash. Um, you know, like, there's all sorts of, like, auto crashes. There's all sorts of, like failures of like industrial safety things uh so it is like a huge global death toll but like everyone's reactions to that are like really tossed off there's like one episode where characters will have like a funeral like a mass funeral ceremony for like people who i worked with who died in the the blackout it immediately exhausts itself with like what did this blackout do to us and proceeds to that question of like okay is there going to be a second blackout what can we do to prevent the second blackout? Well, yeah, because because the show has to be about that question. Yeah. Like, it has to make the blackout part of the events, like, the important part, which is just a huge fucking miscalculation because it's the least important... It's the least interesting aspect of this premise. Like, you could have had the show just be everyone has a flash forward, but, like, you know, they're awake and their bodies are on autopilot or, like, it all happens when they're asleep, you know? Like, yeah. the fact that everyone passes out should be so perfunctory to Mm -hmm. what is interesting about the premise, but it becomes, like, really core to it in, I think, a way that is, like, really unfortunate because, like, it's just the least interesting part is the idea that everyone fell asleep for two minutes and that caused (laughs) a bunch of cars to crash. Like, who fucking cares? It's a show about going to bed. It is! (laughs) (laughs) At, like, the first five episodes, every single one starts with shots of just, like, flashing back to the the blackout and there's just people passed out in the streets and whatever. It's like, who cares? I know! Like, I get it! Yeah, this happened. They really think that that's, like, an iconic image. It's like, you're not the fucking leftovers. Like, this is not the interesting part. Oh, we'll get into that later. We will get into that. We will fucking get into that. But, okay, so, important point of comparison here. We mentioned that this was adapted from a novel by Robert J. Sawyer. Mm -hmm. I'm not really familiar with his work, from what I understand. He's, like, a Canadian, like, hard sci-fi author type guy. And his original novel was about quantum physicists in Geneva trying to understand a flash forward on a scientific causal level, primarily. Also, some of that, like, you know, how do I reckon with what I saw? Um, But a lot of it, like, the central mystery was, like, can we figure out on a scientific level what occurred that caused this global flash forward? Yeah. In this show, the main quantum physicist is a character, but he has a much, like, smaller role... And it's much more about FBI agents in Los Angeles trying to understand not the flash shorts, but the blackout on a national security level. It is that idea of like, well, it will be a threat to our national security if everybody blacks out again. So we got to like predict that and stop it or give advance warning and all of that. And that is your first hint of this show going in an incredibly wrong direction. Exactly. Like one of the things that the showrunners were talking about ahead of time and again we'll talk about sort of the contemporaneous stuff at the end of the episode like we usually do 
But one of the things that these showrunners were pitching the show on is like, well, you know how Lost like doesn't have answers and it strings you along. Like they weren't being explicit about because they're on the same network. They can't yeah. actually shit talk Lost. But the way that like David S. Goyer, for example, he's one of the we're meeting him again because he was one of the guys. Um, Hooray! <laughs> he was. He would talk about like, don't worry, the show will have answers. We know what the answers are ahead of time. We're building to it. And I think the one of the ways that manifests is like, if the answers were scientific answers. People wouldn't be interested in that, right? Yeah. You know, hard sci-fi has an audience, obviously, people who love it. I have read hard sci-fi that I love. But on a, for a general audience, I totally get that, like, if you're pitching the show about a mystery, a global mystery, then if the answer is like, oh, well, the tachyon wave, and the, you know, et cetera, <laughs> yeah. et cetera, et cetera, people would be like, well, I don't know what that means. That means nothing to me. You yeah. might as well just be saying gibberish. That has to be, like, five minutes worth of technobabble in the context of understanding, like, the terrorist conspiracy behind the flash forward. Exactly. So what they have to focus on instead is like, well, who, what human beings caused this to happen and for what reason? Blackout's changed everything. ABC Thursday at 8, 7 central. The entire world has seen a vision of their own future. Can I tell you about what I saw? But why? The former Nazi knows why the blackouts lasted exactly 137 seconds. Television's most talked about new drama is ABC's Flash Forward. And the ride is only just beginning. Start talking. ABC's Flash Forward. All new Thursday at 8, 7 central on ABC. Watch live with the world. Mm-hmm. Um... We never even really learned for what reason, to be honest. No. Um, it's all so confusing. That's but, more of a season two idea. Yeah, uh, which I can't wait to get to. Um, uh-huh. When they eventually do the Frasier-style reboot of Flash Forward. Unbelievable. Um, so we mentioned that the, the main characters uh, include a team of FBI agents. And you might be thinking, wait, FBI agents? David S. Goyer is involved. Uh, we're also going to drop that Brandon Braga is involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, oh, damn, did they just do Threshold again? Um, is the supposed ensemble cast just like six guys who work in the same office? And the answer there is no, not quite. Um, for all this show's faults, and there are many, it does at the very least get this idea that we've been like hungering for of a large ensemble cast that... You know, some of them might seem unconnected at the start, but they end up enmeshed in ways that they didn't expect. Um, and not all of them are the FBI guys. But they are all connected. <laughs> like, we see... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's one of the yeah. things about it, was, like, they all of these people with maybe, like... I mean, there's maybe one exception of, like, a character we only meet as related to a character we've known from the beginning. Yeah. Um, as In terms of, like, a global sort of, like... Uh, missed connections type thing mm-hmm. but like i mean we'll get into it but everyone for the most part knows each other from the beginning <laughs> yeah they're they've gestured towards it in these very slight ways so it's like oh we tried but yeah it's um barely above the grade that uh thresholds ensemble cast gets where yeah. it's like you know six work friends and then people that they already hang out with exactly <laughs> So let's talk about him. Yeah. First guy we have, uh, FBI agent Mark Benford. A huge asshole. He's a huge asshole. He's played by Joseph Fiennes. Um, He is just like a a really obnoxious, kind of mean for a main character. Yeah. Um, His flash forward is that uh, he saw himself 
Uh, first of all, drinking. He's fallen off the wagon because he's sober in, in real life. Yeah. In, he, in real time, rather. Uh, so you had, you had a great, like, two Jack comparison of this guy. Um, you said that he was like, if Jack Shepard was Jack Bauer. Yes, that is exactly what he is. He's like if Jack Shepard was Jack Bauer. Yeah. Um, but in addition to drinking in his flash forward, he's also sees himself at a giant like conspiracy corkboard mm-hmm. connecting all the dots between the mystery of the flash forward. And because of this, he gets put in charge of the flash forward team at the FBI. Yeah. Which is kind of a funny idea. I like it. Yeah. I genuinely like that idea. I think that they could have executed it way better. But like this idea of, okay, we're sort of fated to assemble this really obnoxious clue board let's reconstruct it as much as we can. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, so who's our, who's our next main character? Um, that is FBI agent Dimitri No, played by uh, the wonderful John Cho. Uh, Dimitri is a huge asshole, <laughs> and he saw nothing in his flashback because he is dead at the time of April 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like the sort of junior partner to Mark Benford. Um, he is engaged to get married to uh, a woman named Zoe, played by Gabrielle Union. Um, and he very much like has a chip on his shoulder. He's really pissed about the fact that he's going to be dead in six months, but he's also really pissed at anybody who tries to do anything about that. <laughs> um, and he is just like an incredibly unpleasant guy. It, the show works wonders at taking like incredibly talented and likable actors and just making them be the most like rancid hateable people you've ever seen yeah it's remarkable how they just drain the charisma from john cho especially but yeah also the next guy we're going to talk about uh let's hear it courtney b vance plays uh, courtney b vance one of our great treasures six hours in simi valley six hours in simi valley um amazing guy wonderful actor um, he plays FBI assistant director Stanford Weddick. He's the boss of the of these other characters. How would you describe his personality? He's like a huge asshole. Okay. Um, he is just, all he does is yell at them for the ways that they're doing their jobs. He is like just constantly doing like, I want your badge and gun type stuff. Yeah. Um, and in his flash forward, he was shitting. <laughs> okay. When you put it like that. Well, am I wrong? It's what he was doing. No, he was shitting. No, no, Esther, you are wrong. No, I'm not. In his flash forward, he was shitting. All right, I wasn't in the meeting. I was having a bowel movement. Sorry, I asked. No, 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 no. You wanted it. Now you're going to get the blow by blow. So wait, it gets better. Because I was also on the can when the blackout happened. When I woke up, I didn't know what happened. I banged my head against the side of the stall. I was a little out of it. Rafalski was in the john as well. What? Son of a bitch was drowning. What you doing? What do you think I did? Oh. I gave the poor bastard mouth to mouth. Okay, no, Esther, we learned that, like, in the finale, that it's a major plot twist. In the final episode of show, he was not shitting. But that's the thing. We see him yeah. shitting. So my understand, okay, my understanding of that is that he changed the future. Is that he changed the future? But he still ended up in a bathroom, just like doing something he else. He was. In a he bathroom. ended up crouched in a bathroom, waiting to shoot a guy. Okay. Which is sort of an expression of shitting. I don't want to do this episode <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Fuck it, we're a Gilmore Girls podcast now. All right, welcome to the Gilmore Girls broadcast. Yeah. Um, 
this is the show we do when we don't want to talk about the show we're doing for this month anymore. Yeah, we, we really struggled to get through this one. And in fact, like, when we were, like, nine episodes in, I just looked over at Esther and was like, Esther, if we end up not being able to make it through this entire show, can we just watch an equivalent number of episodes of Gilmore Girls instead? <laughs> so we ended up not pulling the trigger on that this time. But that gun is on the table yeah. from there, now on. No, no promises that... A future episode of The Lost Broadcast will not become the Gilmore Girls broadcast. If it's slightly more unbearable than Flash Forward, then we will just watch a couple of episodes of Gilmore Girls. Exactly. Okay. Um, we got some more characters, right? There's one more FBI person. Okay. Yeah. No. That would be uh, Janice Hawk. Yes. Uh, she's played by Christine Woods. Um, she's kind of an asshole. She's like a moderate level asshole. She, mostly she's just bad at her job. I um, love how terrible she is at her job. <laughs> like, every other episode, she's supposed to, like, watch a guy who inevitably ends up escaping. Yeah, she gets owned constantly. Um, she's also a mole uh, for, like, the flash-forward conspiracy, which she is really bad at. She has, like, seen maybe once doing anything in her capacity as a mole. Yeah. Um, but that is because she is also a double mole for the CIA, and she's also really bad at that job. She accomplishes nothing. She's a lesbian. She's a lesbian. Uh, in her flash flash forward, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, amusingly, uh, the fact that she was a lesbian um, seemed to be a bit of a mystery early on because I read an article from The Independent that just described her uh, as, quote, tomboyish and eternally single, which is why her flash forward was such a surprise. Oh. Um... <laughs> No, she's she's just the she's lesbian. Like, she's like fucking twenty five or something. Like yeah. <laughs> again, it just the idea that it's like you have to write in an explanation for why like a twenty five year old woman isn't pregnant yet is such like an artifact of how much culture has changed in the last like decade and a half. Um, yeah, um, so that's our FBI contingent. That's that's our FBI uh, guys, um, which means we're moving on to guys that they know. So that means that next up we have uh, Agent Mark Benford's wife, Olivia Benford. She is going to be played by Sonia Walger, who is uh, Penny, not Penny's boat, on Lost. Um, she is also kind of an asshole. Sometimes she just kind of, as she's a doctor, right? She's a surgeon. She can be really short with people. Um, she has a bad relationship with her husband, even before she reveals that in her flash forward she was cheating on him with another man. Although it's a little vague. Because what her flash forward actually is, is just that she is in like a nightgown at the middle of the night and she walks over to like the banister and she just sees another guy sitting doing like the Oppenheimer fingers on head in her living room. And she's like, oh, well, I I must have been cheating on you, but I would never do that. And so like the first 10 episodes all have a scene of Mark and Olivia just being like, Mark will just be like, I just don't know if I can trust you since you're going to be freaking cheating on me in six months. And Olivia's like, no. I would never do that, Mark. (laughs) We're going to leave it entirely up to you, the listener, to figure out how serious Esther is being and what accent uh, the actress is doing. Uh, Sonia Walker, I think is her name. Is she doing an Australian accent? uh, An English accent? An American accent? That information, we're not going to give it to you. We're going to let that mystery be. Um... Speaking of the leftovers. Um, but yeah. who is the mysterious man that Dr. Olivia saw? It's Dr. Lloyd Simcoe, a different style of doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a moderate-sized asshole. He is from uh, the original novel. He is like the main quantum physicist from there. Uh, he, in his uh, flash forward, 
he sees like a bunch of quantum physics equations written on a um uh like a mirror in lipstick and he is also like on a phone with mark for part of this um and he doesn't know at first that like he's the one that um Olivia saw in her flash forward because like he just started to turn around and face her at the very end of like that 137 second period um his main deal is that like he is tied to the conspiracy that caused the flash forward unknowingly like his work was used without his knowledge to create those conditions or like amplify those conditions or whatever um and he is like you know the love triangle third end with Olivia and Mark. Uh, and he has a friend who, uh, we've had a little run of characters who aren't huge assholes yet. Thank goodness we've got Dr. Simon Campos yes. to bail us out. Played by Dominic Monaghan, who was uh, who wrote Not Petty's Boat, because he was Charlie yeah. on Lost. Um, he is, yeah, he, he is a doctor who works with Lloyd Simcoe, or has in the past, um, He's an enigmatic character. He's initially introduced as sort of a villain. Um, have you seen the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Esther? I have seen some... Do you know the character of Loki? <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with, with Loki, yeah, yes. the next character is Dr. Bryce okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, but they're, they're, they're very much trying to do that thing with him where it's like, he's rakish, but also constantly getting owned for being rakish. Um, he, is, he is like cool but not as cool as he thinks he is uh he claims to have been killing someone in his flash forward but that's a lie um he didn't get a flash forward because he was wearing a special ring that meant that he was awake the whole time and uh instead of even coming up with like a cool lie um he just tells them something that he did like five minutes after the blackout event He just kills a guy like five minutes after it and then says like, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing in six months. <laughs> no, Dominic Monaghan is extremely not pulling off this character. It makes it really unclear like what the character's deal is because he becomes like kind of an anti-hero. Yeah. He's working with our protagonist to solve stuff, but of course he knows way more than he lets on about everything that's going on. Um, he's a piece of shit, but also he has like a family. He is so unlikable. That when there's an episode where he goes home to meet his family, I truly believed the entire time that there was going to be a reveal that they were all just like paid actors <laughs> pretending to be his family to make him seem like a normal person because clearly he's not. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just that Dominic Vodahead is doing a bad job of portraying this character. Yeah, I also think that like he has a lot of really thankless lines to deliver because um, like that mode of character. Um... You know, I, I think it was, like, a pretty popular one of, like, rakish, you know, you can't tell where his loyalties lie, but he's also constantly getting owned. There was one of those guys on X-Files. There was one of those guys on Alias. I'm sure that there's, like, a bunch of other ones that I am, like, not thinking of at the time. But, like, it, it's a style of character that, like, if you pull it off, that's an icon that, like, everyone wants to fuck. Like, that is such a Tumblr sexy man type of template. Um, he didn't have that juice. Mm-mm. No, absolutely not. Those are kind of the main guys. There's a couple extraneous characters that we should talk about, though. Yeah, let's talk about them. Um, 
Dr. Olivia works with Dr. Bryce Varley. Yeah. Um, who's kind of a pretty nice guy. He is not an asshole. He's not an asshole. Favorite um, character. Yeah, honestly, yeah. He His whole deal is that at the moment of the blackout, he was about to shoot himself in the head. Yeah, because he has cancer and he gets no pussy and he's bad at being a doctor. Yeah, but in his flash forward, he sees himself on a date with a cute Japanese girl. Yeah. And he decides that, <laughs> that this is worth living for. Um... <laughs> He just invents a Japanese girlfriend that goes to another school and it saves his life. <laughs> Literally, yes. Um, that is the subject of kind of the only kind of good plot line, the entire the entire run of the show. Yeah. Um, is his pursuit of her. Um, we'll get into that. <laughs> the next character is Nicole Kirby, mm-hmm. um, who is like the babysitter of Mark and Olivia. Yeah. Their she, kid. She's like a, I think she's maybe like college age or something like that. Um she is involved primarily in the Bryce plotline because um, she like speaks Japanese. I think like her family is military or something, and uh, like starts to get close to Bryce and helps him like learn and and prep for like his trip to go to Japan to find this girl that he saw and you know give him the confidence for that. But also like a love triangle starts to form. Oh no! But she is also a little fucked up because in her flashback she believes that she sees herself drowning, like being drowned actively murdered by a guy uh no it's obviously not that like from the moment we saw that it's just like wait no this is like the clearest misdirect in history she's being like pulled out of the water by that guy uh same thing happens interestingly enough in final destination too so what's that about yeah they just kind of stole that beat yeah literally exactly from the film final destination 2 final destination 2 has what this show does not it truly does final destination 3 has what this show really does not have for one flash forwards for one for for two it's good <laughs> yeah um and i liked and i liked watching it and i liked myself while i was watching it yeah <laughs> um I, I i wrote something down in like our notes that like when i say all right Esther, let's watch another episode of the show i feel like giles Corey just saying more weight is i being executed <laughs> for witchcraft yeah there's only one more guy uh, Aaron Stark, he's Mark's AA sponsor. Yeah. Um, he's a huge asshole. Um, I hate him. He kind of talks like, um, like a failed clone of Louis C.K. Yeah. Um, Max Martini, he talks like. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, oh, oh, geez, Mark, I can't believe we had the flash forward when I want to jerk off. Hey, I'm going to jerk off in my fucking flash forward, man. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, uh. That's what I really sound like, by the way, when I'm not affecting his voice. <laughs> when we're not doing the podcast, that's how Hannah talks all day. Yeah, I just lounge around the home, uh, just, you know, in my, like, sexy laundry. Sorry <laughs> like this all the fucking time. <laughs> Shit. Uh, Aaron's whole deal is that uh, he sees himself in some sort of, like, encampment in Afghanistan uh, with his daughter, who was a troop, who he thought was dead for, yeah. like, a year, but I guess she's alive. Mm-hmm. Um Note that, like, it doesn't inspire him to, like, start going on an investigation to, like, find her and be like, oh, she's alive somewhere, I gotta track her down. No, she just, like, shows up at his house, like, eight episodes (laughs) in, and is like, hi, Dad, I've been alive, and he's like, I knew that. I think that and the, um, Nicole thing is, like, a great example of, like, one of the core problems of this show is that if everyone has a flash forward to the, where they will be at an exact date and time in the future... Mm-hmm. wouldn't they all know 
that that like wouldn't they wake up that day and be like oh today's the day i i guess i should stay away from the water because i'm yeah. drowning and I flash <laughs> forward that never like th- that enters the equation with one character yeah and that's olivia and i just want to skip ahead and get this out of the way so that people are aware but olivia like goes to the beach so that she's not in her house when the flash forward where she's cheating on her husband happens and then lloyd shows up at the beach and is like oh olivia Oh, we need to go to your house right now. Uh, hello, I'm Mr. Frog. I'm Mr. He sounds—he sounds exactly like Mr. Frog. He doesn't, but I—I I think we just like invent things for ourselves. These to... people are never gonna watch this show. <laughs> yeah. We can lie to them. It's fine. Okay, yeah, keep the lies in. Keep working. Keep... We're not cutting the lies. We're not cutting the lies from the episode. Um, yeah, so anyway, did you notice how many of these characters are assholes? I don't know if you picked up on we that, did. listening to us to explain these characters, how many of them are just fucking assholes. There's two characters who are not assholes, and they are cordoned off to one specific plot line. It's miserable. Like, within one of the first lines of dialogue in this show, early on, is Mark and Dimitri are, like, in a car chase with some terrorists. Yeah. And, um, they're calling back to Janice at, at HQ, and Mark is like, um... We're sending you pictures of an unidentified Caucasian woman. And uh, Janice says, who is she? And Mark says, that's the unidentified part, sweetheart. Like, that's that happens in, like, the first five minutes yeah. of the pilot. Literally, like, the first introduction we get to Mark and Dimitri is, like, Dimitri's having a bit of, like, wedding jitters, and he's, like, trying to talk about how, like, nervous he is to, like, do karaoke at his wedding reception. And he's like, oh, you're not listening to me at all, are you, Mark? And Mark's like... No, I'm fucking riveted. Tell me more. I love hearing that shit. It's so interesting. It is the classic TV problem of like, I'm not saying that every TV has to be like a nice core thing where I everyone's am. nice to each other all the time. I am. Although after watching the show, I kind of am inspired to that point of view. I'm terrified of Steven Universe. Those <laughs> characters are too mean to each They're other. They're abusing each other in every yeah. episode. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's, I, I'm not saying that like, Everyone has to be nice to each other all the time. But I do think that a fundamental tenet of a good TV show is that characters should, like, enjoy each other's company. Yeah. And, like, be friendly to each other on some level. Like, uh, even on fucking, like, Deadwood and Succession. Yeah. Where characters are really mean to each other all the time. There is still a sense of, like, these people don't hate being around each other all the time. And therefore, I, the viewer, also don't hate being around them all the time by watching the show. And, like, I guess there are moments on the show where, like, characters will say things like, I love you, or we'll get through this, or whatnot. <laughs> but it always just feels like they're marking time until the next time that they're fucking assholes to each other. Exactly. One thing, um, there are a couple episodes, like, late in a run of this that we decided to split up. Because um, I was taking, like, a work trip, and we were like, we're not going to get time to watch eight of these episodes together. Mm-hmm. Um but in one of the episodes that I watched, we get, like, a flashback to, like, the meet-cute that happens between Dimitri and his fiance Zoe. And what that meet-cute constitutes is that she's, like, a defense lawyer, and she just, like, shreds him on the witness stand. And she's, like, walking with him out of, like, the courthouse afterwards and being like, let me make it up to you. Let me take you on a date. And Dimitri's response is just be like, are you fucking serious, you cunt? Like, I will never love you. That was disgusting gash behavior there on the courtroom. And it's like, okay, I get it. What they're trying to do there is, like, the the dramatic irony of, like, him saying, I will never, you know, want to go on a date with you. And then, like, haha, in the future, they're, like, fiancés. Um, But that only works 
if their relationship isn't fucking awful in the present day anyway. It's like, well, no, you gave us no new information. They started off fucking hating each other and they still seem to fucking hate each other. Dimitri yells at her every time she tries to like investigate his eventual death. She yells at him every time he's like not being attentive enough and like, you know, trying to, to, to be like, oh, you can't be distant to me and just use the flash forward as an excuse. It's like, why not? <laughs> now, you'll also note that this was kind of a problem the last time we talked about a David S. Goyer and Brandon Braga show. Yeah. Um, I think we explicated this exact same issue, in fact, in oh, that yeah. episode. Um, it, it just sinks the entire thing. It's just like, I don't know why anyone would choose to subject themselves to this. It's just not... Not that a show has to be fun. Not that any work of art has to be fun. No. But it doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, like, I have to get something out of it. I have to, I, you know, when I watch a Frederick Wiseman movie, and it's a four-hour movie about the library, like, it is not like, you know, there's not fucking explosions and sex scenes and, like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm enjoying myself, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing because it's being presented in a way that is engaging and cool and sometimes funny like that that seems to be completely beyond these people the idea that like you should be able to you should sit down in front of your tv to watch a show and not feel like the most miserable person in the universe for that hour of your life yeah um it's it's a very bizarrely like presented show like so many things that you get a sense they thought would be charming and likable, uh, just fall flat. And so all that's left are the moments where characters despise each other. Um, we've been delaying this. Let's talk a little bit about like narrative arcs and plot beats and whatnot. We are not going to fucking recap all of this by any means, because like what I can tell you right now is that half of this show is FBI guys yelling at each other over field trips that they want to go on. Yeah, that is like the whole thing that the FBI guys do is they're yeah. like... All right, it's time to go to Africa. It's time to go to the South. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's time to go to Hong Kong, Utah. Like, it's all, they just want to go on field trips constantly. And then Courtney B. Vance is just there to be like, you will never go on a field trip. Yeah, and then they call him from the location. And he's like, God damn it, I told you not to go on that field trip. That's It's all he fucking does. It's like yeah. his only role on the, the show. Is and, he, like, And then they return from the field trip having accomplished basically nothing every single time. And he's like, Next time, you better tell me when you're going on that field trip. <laughs> yes. It's such a fucking thankless role. Like, all he does is either get, like, yelled at by higher-up government officials, like the actual FBI director, like the vice president, or, like, a committee oversight person. There's so much jurisdiction and budget shit. And then, like, he passes that abuse on to, like, the lower-tier guys who are just like, Okay, I have approved your field trip to Six Flags Great Adventure. <laughs> However, we will not be able to afford the flash passes for this trip, so you will have to choose your roller coaster rides carefully. <laughs> Mark, I know that you want to ride Jersey Devil Coaster, but that thing has a hell of a line. <laughs> And two hours later, God damn it, Mark, where are you? <laughs> where do you think? He's <laughs> not the Jersey Devil Coaster. He's, 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 he's still in line, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's moved like 20 feet since the last time I saw him. Just a little Six Flags jokes for you all You are not friends. pulling me out of here. Yeah. I can see the front of the line. <laughs> it's moving. They're, they're, they put 10 people on every time. <sighs> 
and ride a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> what harm would that do to anybody? No, it would have been nice. Maybe uh, we should have rode roller coasters instead of watching Flash Forward. Yeah, um, we're, we're now Gilmore Girls and Roller Coaster Review <laughs> Podcast. Uh, welcome to the first episode of Roller Coaster Review. <laughs> we Okay. So that's half of the show. What's the other half? Um, okay, there's like a couple of ideas here that we do want to very briefly touch on. Mark's corkboard, and he has, like, a daughter who has a flashback as well, does both mention the idea of there being a scary guy named D. Gibbons. D. Gibbons' real name is Dyson Frost. Um, so why is he called D. Gibbons? I don't... I still don't know. Yeah. I still don't know. I wonder if there was, like, an ARG. Like, you could have uncovered his real name because you found clues on a website. That is the perfect time. Like, you went and you did, a, you did inspect this. element... Uh, on flashforward.com and you were like oh it seems like if i click in these places i get you i just unlock everything oh man i feel so dehydrated as we talk <laughs> about the show um yeah so he's he's like played by uh this like veteran character actor michael massey does like a pretty solid job just doing like you know villainous character actor things but the actual like scope of the character it's like hey you know um fuck what's that guy's name uh uh from Twin Peaks, second season of Twin Peaks, Wyndham Earl. Wyndham, yes, he is extremely Wyndham Earl, down to a conspicuous obsession with chess. He murders in 2010, like, a guy that he beat at chess, like, 20, 30 years earlier. Um, and then, like, Mark and Dimitri find, like, three chess games that he played where he, like, made 50 moves that spell out in Morse code. Uh, by, like, the number of seconds he took to make each move a message sent to, like, 25 years in the future or whatever. And it's the most, like, annoying, like, ways of trying to signal somebody as being, like, cultured and terrifying and cool. There is a genuinely, like, potentially cool moment where, in the stinger of one episode, um, they're at, like, an old facility in Somalia where he seems to have done, like, an early test run of a flash forward in 91. Um, and, like, a screen turns on, like, an old CRT screen, and he says, like, hello, my name is Dyson Frost. How are you doing in the year 2010, uh, Agent Dimitrino? And, you know, uh, he it's like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. And then it just, like, zooms in on him, like, on the monitor, just saying, got your attention, didn't I? And it's like, oh, fuck, you ruined it. Yeah. You, you You overplayed your hand. If you had just ended it there, that would have been, like, a cool moment. But, like, there... The moment they do anything that has the slightest amount of sauce, they are just running victory laps yeah. in a way that is really unbecoming. At one point, uh, D. Gibbons slash Dyson Frost puts Dimitri in a saw trap. I I didn't watch these episodes. I get the impression that I wouldn't understand it any better if I did. <laughs> well, he puts him in a saw trap and then dies. Okay. Um, Same. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what happens both to people in saw traps and to the guy who... And to pretty much anyone who puts people in saw traps. Yeah. Uh, John Kramer... Uh, Amanda Hoffman. <laughs> Don't get me started on Hoffman. Oh my god. I... Saw X in theaters this fall. Welcome to Saw X Podcast, <laughs> where we only talk about the 10th Saw film. <gasps> I fucking hate this shit so much. <laughs> I would rather talk about anything else but flash forward, but we're gonna continue. No, yeah. Um, what, what the fuck else is there? Like, we never learn about, like, much of the conspiracy thrust. Yeah. Um, they, they they do some technobabble explanation of the science of it. And, yeah. like, they say something about, like, people's consciousness is, like, transmitted on tachyons or something. Yeah, but, like, anytime we actually get, like, a 
dialogue from somebody who's involved in a conspiracy, all they do is that shit where they're like, this is so much bigger than you. You're not even beginning yeah. to understand. It's like, well, I guess I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. You're correct. I don't understand. Even though I'm watching the show. Yeah. What, do you, what else do you want me to do? All I so can do is sit here and watch. Fucking much of this show is just like a repository of, of people like mocking you for watching it. It is an assault <laughs> on dignity. It is all these like moments of people being like, you thought there were going to be answers? No, fuck you. They just got rolled by an old Nazi again. You thought that we were going to have like any like progress in character relationships? No, fuck you. They hate each other the exact amount that they did at the start of this episode. It is awful. It is disgusting. It is the worst, most rancid, unpleasant, visually, thematically dialogue-wise piece of shit that I've ever fucking seen. We are trapped in the belly of this horrible machine and the machine is bleeding to death. The sun has fallen down and the billboards are all leering and the flags are all dead at the top of their poles. It went like this. The buildings, the buildings toppled in on themselves. Mothers clutching babies. Picked through the rubble. This has been Dead Flag Blues Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you could rate us on iTunes. Um, no, it is, uh, you know, we're trying to have fun here. <laughs> but it's truly... We're giving ourselves a little activities. We are giving ourselves some busy boxes during yeah. the recording of this episode. I, I am so tempted to just, like, have an audible fidget cube during this <laughs> episode. Um, no, it's... You know, uh, uh, I think a good example of, like, how fucking weird this show's, like, sense of what is appropriate to focus on and follow up on in any way is, is that, like, seven episodes in, uh, a character that we all knew and loved, Agent Al Guff, uh, what does he do, Esther? Well, don't you remember when we discussed him right at the beginning of the episode? He's one of the main characters. He's one of the main guys, yeah. No, he, he, like, shows up in the, the episode where his thing happens. Oh, Esther, no, he's been in all the others. He just made zero impression on you. What? He's... No, he shows up for the first time in that episode. Wait, okay, let me go to the Flash Forward Wikipedia page. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Guff. Okay, he is credited for eight episodes, and he dies in episode seven. That's not possible. So he was in every episode... Wait, no, Esther, are you doing a <laughs> I'm bit? I'm not kidding. I thought that they introduced this character, and it's like, oh, he's been in the background. Like, you haven't really seen him up until now, but now we have to do this thing with him. No. No, he's no, he hasn't been there. He, Esther, <laughs> what, I, I'm explaining this to you as clearly as I can. You didn't notice him because he wasn't a huge asshole. <laughs> it's true. He just didn't make any impression whatsoever. Yeah. So what does he do? So his whole thing is that in his flash forward, um, he's like getting a phone call where like he hears that a woman he hit with his car has died. Yeah. Um, and this is an amazing, amazing little bit of dialogue that explains this where he's like, you know, idly thinking about it and like, you know, has the thousand yard stare. Um, 
and you know he's he's on, been on the phone with like a uh, an attorney or something and someone yeah. asks why were you speaking to an attorney did something happen and then it cuts to him in the flash forward just going i killed him <laughs> and then it cuts back to him in real time saying no everything was fine <laughs> yes very funny but he, he doesn't like the idea that he would have killed someone or been responsible for somebody's death in his flash forward so he mm-hmm. takes dramatic action yeah he basically finds the woman who he's going to kill in this hit in this accident and is like hey writes her a letter saying hey look i know you didn't have a flash forward and it's probably very scary but don't worry i'm gonna fix everything uh so he kills himself yeah <laughs> he dr- jumps off the roof of the fbi building uh his reasoning being like we know the future can change because if I do this, then I won't, then my flash forward can't come true. So he kills himself. Um, and it goes over great. Everyone, everyone loves it. Everyone's really happy. Uh, the next episode opens with a shot of a newspaper where the front page headline says, Agent Suicide Gives Woman Second Chance at Life. And frankly, isn't that what we're all hoping for? <laughs> like, I am, I'm really hoping every day. It's like, I really wish that an FBI agent would kill himself yeah. so that I, my life could be better. Just like Googling how to die in a way where no one will yell at me. <laughs> but it's like, that, that feels like it should be like a massive world-changing moment where it's like, oh fuck, we know it's not destiny anymore. But people bring that up maybe like three times in the rest of the show. And, and and what was one of the times that it comes up again? Do you... Oh, no, this was an episode you didn't watch. Tell me. There's an episode that only I watched where um, the team is tracking down a serial killer named Slitterland, I think was his name. Something Spiderland s- by Slint. I think his name was Spiderland by Slint. And his whole thing is... Oh, um, listen, uh, don't even get me started on this character and how he's much... Not nearly as interesting as a character named Seisha or not nearly as interesting <laughs> okay. as a character named Dismemberment Plan or... <laughs> Anyway, uh, this has been, like, Hannah's opinions on, like, 90s indie rock. <laughs> this is Welcome to a 90s indie rock podcast. Yeah. Um, now, this is the thing that Slingerland is doing... Um, <laughs> That's really his name! <laughs> I don't remember it, but it's something like that. Yeah. He is killing people who didn't have flash forwards, because he's like, oh, you know, so it's something like, oh, God, filling out God's plan... Um, they did that same fucking thing in Threshold. Just like late in the game, in introduce a serial killer who targets the type of guy that the show is about. <laughs> yeah, that was just like a gimme. You have one idea, you fucking pricks. For David Escorio and Brandon Braga. They probably probably happened on Enterprise, I'm guessing. Some of our Star Trek heads will have to let us know about that. Yeah. The, someone was going around killing spaceships. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway... He's going around killing people who didn't have flash forwards. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, uh, he, this woman who was saved by the agent suicide, he hits her with his car and she dies. Hooray! (laughs) Which you would think is like, oh, so I guess like, it's just whatever we saw happening will happen no matter what, just with like slight details changed. And that basically does end up being the case. Let's uh, do another episode of our Final Destination podcast. <laughs> I mean, it is. It anyway. is literally Final Destination. Anyway, yeah, but like, it really doesn't... The fact that, you know, we know for a fact that these don't have to happen the exact way they for, that they were foreseen, it barely enters into people's consciousnesses. Like, yeah. most people are still just sort of assuming that it will happen in an exact way, regardless of whether it's something that they want exactly or kind of want or actively don't want. Um, but yeah, people like, it's like I said at the beginning, people who want their flash forwards to happen yeah. generally are seen putting effort into making it happen. 
mm-hmm. people who don't want their flash forwards to happen just sort of sit around hoping that it won't, and then they're just pushed into it anyway. Yeah. There is no, like, uh, there is no sense of, like, well, okay, if I saw myself dying in my flash forward, I'll just, like, lock myself in a box all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no- Nobody does the plan that Devon Sawa has in Final Destination 1, for example. Or the plan that Ali Larder has in Final Destination 2. Do we want to do a Final Destination podcast? Okay, this is episode two now of our Final Destination podcast. Um... <laughs> I have never been less confident in my choice to do the Lost broadcast than this. <laughs> now, we'll do, we're doing a good one next, don't worry. Yes! Um, we'll tell you what one it is at the end of the episode. Yeah. Um... <laughs> yeah, the, the very finale of the show is April 29th, right? Like, mm-hmm. it is the date that all the flash wars have been leading up to. Um, and... Like as I said, it just sort of like lurched toward coming true. Nobody even has this moment of like epiphany of like, oh wow, this is the moment. Like I didn't even realize it would come this fast, but like this is the exact moment that I saw. Just fucking happens. And then we get an outro that just has more clues for season two because spoiler, spoiler, there's another flash forward. But in this flash forward, the implication is that people just have flash forwards to random points in time, individual to every person. Um which frankly would have like negated a lot of the plot hole issues in season one, because if you don't know the exact date when something's going to happen and you can't corroborate the events with anyone else, because yeah. a huge part of the plot of season one is that the FBI agents have the site called Mosaic that they build where everyone inputs their flash forwards so that we can get, you know, a picture a worldwide, mosaic, so to speak. exactly of what everyone is doing at that exact moment. Um, they do nothing with that. We'll get into all the things they could have done with everything on this show that they didn't. But no, it, it is, it is, the, the show ends rather ignominiously, but in a way that like, when there is that final montage of the second flash forward event, I did have this feeling in my heart of like, this show sucked ass, but at the same time, like, damn, all of this stuff that they're setting up will just never go anywhere. You yeah. know what I mean? It was just this sort of pang, uh, Caroline Polachek pang in my heart. Um, <laughs> check, out, check out what was it episode episode three? Yeah. Um, for for that for that reference, just this pang in my heart of like, oh my god, there is so much television that just never continued, and it's yeah. just stupid thought, and it's an especially stupid thought to have about a show that I kind of hated watching. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just think it is like inherent to the nature of the show that we are doing that you're going to have this emotion of like, I, I just watched something die, <laughs> you know, yeah. and go out sad, go out like Stan Shara. <laughs> Incredible. What I think a lot of that like speaks to basically is that this show and frankly, none of the shows that we've watched so far have the confidence to have their own core mysteries last for more than a season even. Um like, all the hybrid stuff in the town from Invasion has to get wrapped up by the finale, and then it's completely new hybrids that would show up in the second season. Uh, by the end of season one of Surface, it is a new world. Uh, Threshold would have become Foothold. Even Reunion, it's like, it was designed to be, like, kind of a limited series anthology deal. Flash forward, it gets to that date of the visions in a season one finale, and it's like, well, there has to be a second flash forward now. Um, it's like if Lost said, all right, season two premiere... Uh, welcome second plane starts crashing on the island, right? <laughs> it's like every season, a new plane. Every plane, new mysteries. Uh, but here's the thing. In this 
context, they were right. This season didn't have enough stuff. Nope. Um, and there's a great, great summation of that from a friend of the show, Emily St. James, mm-hmm. who was recapping this for AV Club at the time. Yeah. Uh, in her review of the finale episode, she makes the point that, like, if you watched the pilot of Flash Forward and then you watched the final episode of Flash Forward, would you have missed anything? No. No. Because, like, the only substance that the show ended up having is ultimately. Will the flash forwards come true? Nothing that happened in the middle really had any bearing on that. Yeah, and like, I think maybe the cruelest thing that I can do to talk about this show is describe the part of it that we like the most, um, which is the Dr. Bryce Varley plot, right? He is the loser who gets no pussy in his previous life. He's about to dome himself on a pier in, like, one of the only good shots in the show in the pilot. And then he suddenly, like, gets a new lease on life. Um, and he, like, you know, learns Japanese. He goes to Japan to try to find this girl. He didn't prepare as well as he thought he did. So, like, he keeps getting these, like, near-miss moments where he's, like, he's identified this, like, restaurant that she likes to hang out at. And, and they recognize her there and they give him information on how to find her. But, like, he goes to her house and like her family's there and they're like oh we don't want to let you in and also she's already left and he comes back to LA thinking like well that was a fucking waste of time but then on the same flight as him the girl that he was into Keiko is also on that flight because she is tired with her life as an office girl and wants to start anew in LA because she also has had the same flash short and all that and what I've described here is a reasonably competent pastiche of a Makoto Shinkai plot and if that is the best you can do, then woof. Yeah, it's 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 rough. The second best plotline on the show is the guy who becomes black. Yeah, let's talk about... Because, okay, let's just start talking about basically, like, the remainder of the reasons why the show fucking sucks that we haven't dove into yeah. yet. And I think, uh, for starters, there's, so there's an episode where much in the same way that we talk about how Lost pitched itself is like, it can be a cop show, it can be a lawyer show, it can be a medical show. I think there is some of that DNA, the DNA of that lie in yeah. Flash Forward, because it's also a lie in Flash Forward. Yep. But an expression of that is um, an episode where Dr. Olivia has this patient who says in his Flash Forward, like, yeah, I used to be this shy, nervous guy, but after my Flash Forward, I just feel calm because I know everything's going to be okay. Like, in my Flash Forward, I saw myself at this club, and I was wearing these clothes I would never have the confidence to wear. And I was having fun, and I was happy. Also, I was black. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a white guy. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of sort of medical, like, Dr. House-style mystery to that episode. Yeah. Um, and what they eventually determine is that he has this condition that will cause the pigment of his skin to darken over the next six months. And that also, like, you know, kind of dulls his emotional responses to things, and that's why he's chill about everything all the time. Exactly. And that is an example, and in fact, that's an example that the writer of the book, Robert J. Sawyer, pointed out as, like, after the show was canceled, we didn't have enough episodes like that. We yeah. didn't have enough episodes where it's, like, we are taking the premise of one person's flash forward and like telling a story about it. Yeah. The only flash forwards that they spend any time on are the really boring one where Mark is drinking and Olivia's cheating or like the fact that Dimitri didn't have one. 
It's just totally disinterested in its own premise. Yeah, it's like, again, the original book that this is based on, the flash forwards, are to 21 years in the future, mm-hmm. where your lives would inherently be completely different. You would be a person that you probably don't recognize in some way. To have them be to six months in the future, it's like all they can think of within that span is like, uh, a relationship ends, a relationship begins, I get a better job, I get a worse job, I'm not drinking anymore, I am drinking again. Um, just the, the most like miserable, like short-term, most basic possible ideas of it. And that stems from this like desire to avoid what people were criticizing Lost for at the time with this idea of like, oh, you never get any answers. I think they went into this with the idea of like, well, if the flash forwards are to 21 years in the future, people will think, well, we're never going to get there on the show. Yeah. So like, why would I care? Like, we'll never see that. So by doing six months and the show practically airs in real time, the first season of the show, almost, there is this implicit promise of like, we will get there in season one and you will see whether the flash forwards come true or not. Like, we promise. But it introduces this problem of like, well, okay, but by the nature of the scale of time you've set up, nothing that interesting can happen to these main characters. No, it's it's brutally slow. It's mechanical. Everything happens in this very like perfunctory type of way. Esther, you had an amazing line about like what it is structurally, ultimately the experience of yeah. like the first half of the show. It's like if every episode of Lost showed the plane crash again. Like, yeah. Just over and over and over. Like, we fucking get it already. Just, like, reminding you, like, it really did happen. Remember. The plane is now on the island. Remember, the plane crashed. Yeah. And we know it and We know it happened, so don't forget it. Yeah. Um, it's also just, like, the ugliest show we've watched on a visual level. It's, it's, like, I don't know that it's, see, I don't know that it's necessarily uglier than, like, Threshold. Threshold was nasty looking in a very like cheapo basic cable sci-fi way yes i think though that this takes more efforts to look ugly threshold just looked like they didn't put much effort into anything and like the few dramatic flourishes they had were like really annoying this like it has lighting that convinces you that everyone on it is an ugly person yeah it is not making fun of any of the actors in question none of this is their fault this is a show that will convince you that John Cho is not a very handsome looking guy. Because <laughs> they're just like, well, what if we light him in a way that makes him look 45 and pissed off at everything? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. It, it, is, it is an ugly show. It is ugly in the way that, like, it's 2009 and we're starting to shoot major TV shows with digital cameras now. Yeah. Um, it looks like an allergy commercial within a PS3 game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that's very astute. It looks like the the ads for future flow days is a Metal Gear Solid Four. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It it's it is it's not an attractive show. Yeah. All of the flash forwards look like um, saw traps. They look. Oh, yeah. They all look like when someone's like in a saw trap and Hello Zep is playing. Yeah. And they're like <laughs> fiddling with it, like ah, and it's just like flashing around to a million different angles. All mm-hmm. the flash forwards look like that. It's ugly, and they show them so much. Yeah. Over and over and over again. They they were they, they reuse more footage than a nineties anime on this show. Yeah. It's like fucking revolutionary girl Utena with how much they keep showing the flash forwards <laughs> over and over again. They do they do flashbacks to earlier in the same episode all the fucking time. They do. It's it's yeah, it's awful. Um a, an underrated aspect of why this show fucking sucks as well. It started airing in two thousand nine. 
Um, you could tell that they were not expecting Obama to be the president for that to change the culture so radically, so quickly. I was screaming at the screen at one point, like, it's 2009, you fucking asshole. It's not the Bush administration anymore. Because, like, in 2009, we were all listening to Tayo Cruz. We were planning to light clubs up like it was dynamite. But what do people on the show care about? They care about things like enhanced interrogation techniques. They care about whether an atheist can be president. Uh, there is a line of dialogue where someone says, what lessons have you learned from 9-11 and Katrina? There is an episode where they go to like a secret underground death club and people are in Abu Ghraib cosplay. Uh, there is a scene where airline executives are taking flights to reassure people that it's safe to fly again. And yellow cake is mentioned. <laughs> they want to go back. Not even, on, not even saying that like this show is politically conservative more so than like things in general would be that would make it to, you know, network television at this time. It just wants the aesthetics of the Bush administration to continue ad infinitum so badly. Yeah, it, 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 it that's an astute point because... Thank you. You're welcome. Um, if you ever have a bad point, I'll tell you too. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it is... They claimed that this show had been cooking for many years. Um, yeah. Maybe that's true to some extent and they pulled it off the shelf because of Lost, but like, it's clear that this comes from like, you know, we mentioned Jack Bauer. This the DNA of the show has a lot of twenty four. Yeah, like a startling amount for a what is ostensibly a sci fi show. Yeah. Um, I mean, besides that, you know, we've mentioned that like all these characters fucking hate each other, um, and it every time we like met a new character, is just like, you know. Uh, Dr. Simon Campos doesn't show up until like nine episodes or something. And immediately we were like, wait, the scientists hate each other too? Like there's an episode yeah. where they, they take another field trip to Hong Kong and there's a CIA guy there who's masquerading as an FBI guy. And he immediately hates the main characters that show up. And he's like, that's right. I hate you too. I have friends, but they're not in this show. I'm protecting them from being in this show. You coming here puts them at risk of being in this show. And that's why I hate you. <laughs> And that, I mean, it really is the key issue, I think. We talked about it already, obviously, but just, like, it's miserable to watch. It, it, it Everyone is mean to each other all mm-hmm. the fucking time. And not in a 24 way where, like, when Jack Bauer yells at someone, it's because he has to, you know, he has to save the goddamn country or There's whatever. There's stakes. There's pathos. Yeah, it's because 10 nuclear bombs are placed <laughs> yeah. around Los Angeles and he has to stop them. Um, yeah, and, like... The visceral like element of that is like it allows you to imagine yourself as somebody who whose anger and frustrations with life can be cha- channeled into these high stakes, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, if I had to like torture someone to like save the world from ten nuclear bombs, then I'd get so fucking pissed and I would do it. Yeah, but what Here- are the stakes of a like any given episode of Flash Forward? It's like, oh no, we might not find a clue that will lead us to a guy who will lead us to a clue, yeah, who will lead us to another guy, like. That that maybe will help us figure out the key to the, yeah. the shit. Like it, there's just no sense of stakes moment to moment because the conspiracy is so boring and like poorly defined. Yeah, and and another vector on which everybody is an asshole to each other. There's an, a lot of examples that we have this, but I think we only need to mention one. It's um like characters forgetting that flash forwards exist and using that to kind of be pricks all the time, mm-hmm. like. There's a point basically at which like um, 
Olivia gets a text saying that like, oh, by the way, Mark is drinking and is flash forward. And she tells that to Mark so he knows that she got that text. And he immediately thinks like, well, there's only two people that I told about my drinking. And so it must have been one of them who fucking betrayed me and texted Olivia. And it's like, no, Mark, flash forwards exist. Somebody could have this information from a flash forward, you know? Like, somebody could know about this in ways that you can't even conceive of yet. If you take, like, even five seconds to step back and be like, there's so many things that I don't know because of the flash forwards, then you won't start screaming at, like, your two only friends in the world. Wait one second. I I think I'm having a flash forward. Really? I'm not getting shit. I'm seeing, like, around object does that make sense it's almost like it's kind of a color it's so it's it's orange wait wait no 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 no. it's kind of a pimply texture i'm going to ease your troubled mind that's a basketball what oh my god that must mean (laughs) welcome (laughs) to our episode of the smack yeah um so wait you, you got a flash forward yeah i'm having a flash forward i'm actually myself seeing about six or seven months into the future to like i think the nba season that's starting in one month is about to end i'm just saying blackness which like i feel probably means that like i jump in front of a bullet intended for you (laughs) fired by somebody who is like a big fan of last night in soho or (laughs) saltburn that's a shame um hopefully we can avoid your fate but no i i am seeing i mean do you have any do you have any questions about, like... Because I'm seeing so much in my flash forward. The, the regular season is over at this it's, point? The regular season's over, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, first question. Yeah. I guess, which team is going to underachieve to an extent that they're going to be obviously blowing it up in the off season? I'm seeing um, the Sixers. Um, Daryl Morey has killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> Live on TV. Live on TV at, like... The at the first round exit game. Air Bud Dwyer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, yeah, the Sixers. I mean, it's it's never been more over. Yeah. Um. There is just uh, Embiid is he wants to go to Atlanta. Like that's how bad it is. <laughs> um. Not even for basketball. <laughs> no, he just wants to go there. He's he's retiring. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> some good fucking food. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, so so to contrast of that, right, what team is going to overachieve in regular season to the extent that people are going to mistake them for being a true contender in the playoffs? Um, it looks like people think that, that that's going to be true of, like, the Thunder. Um, like, they're, people are going to think they're way ahead of schedule because they're going to see Chet Holmgren and think that he has the powers of Slenderman. Um <laughs> To, like, sort of take people's souls and um, has, like, tentacles on his back and stuff, which obviously would be a huge asset. Slenderman is the ultimate spot-up guy. <laughs> you gotta imagine. I mean, he's he's on defense. Yeah. He's insane because of the tendrils. Okay, yeah. He is, a, he is a traffic home, but in a good way. I mean... <laughs> so he doesn't walk. Get it? That's true. He could, I mean... Welcome to our Slenderman podcast. Slenderman within, podcast within, within the Smash the Double. The Double within the last podcast. Yes, okay, okay, okay. More questions for you. I'm, yeah, I'm please, burning with curiosity. I know, I know everything. I'm dead and I need to learn more. <laughs> um, so, you know how like in 2023, the Jazz started off really hot and yeah, people were yeah. like, oh wow, they're really overachieving. But by the end of the season, um, they kind of regressed to where we all thought they would be anyway. Yeah, Who's yeah, like that sure. for 2024? Um, it looks like it was... 
Oh, it was the jazz again. Fuck. Um, yeah, God hates Utah for making it Mormonism. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's decided to punish them by giving them false hope again and again and again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so 2023 saw uh, a couple players, John ja Morant, Joel Embiid, uh, completely blow all their fan goodwill in various yep. ways. Uh, does that happen to any big star in 2024? Yeah, it looks like... Ah, oh, this is so sad, but I am seeing uh, Damian Lillard, um, who's a player that I love. Um, mm. It looks like he uh, is uh, <laughs> he is going to get traded to the Houston Rockets um, uh. and refuse to come out of his bedroom for two months. And the PR on that is just, it, it just doesn't make him look good. Okay. Um, it, apparently when they finally do force him to the court, he just stands at center court the whole game <laughs> and lets them like bounce basketballs off of him. The logo Lillard prophecy is fulfilled in the it's... worst possible way. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And then conversely... What unremarkable player is going to be traded to the Lakers in the middle of the season and become an instant media sensation way outside from how good they actually are? I'm seeing a bunch of tweets that say, Doug McDermott is the Jokic stopper? Okay, Esther, I do want you to note that you have only predicted bad things to happen to black players and good things to happen to white players. I am going to give you an out here. Yeah, okay. What will Luca's excuse be for not winning MVP or making a deep playoff run? <laughs> All right. I'm seeing... Oh, boy, this is so sad. Um, the war in Ukraine has spilled into the Balkans. Oh, no. And um, Luca was drafted. Um, okay, well, that's a good excuse. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I mean, the the sad thing is that uh, the second he touched down on Balkan soil, his head was blown off. <laughs> It's really tragic because, you know, I really... He could have won MVP this year. Yeah. <laughs> he was having an MVP-type season. The Mavericks were making the leap. Yeah, okay. Um, and you will believe what Kyrie said about it. <laughs> we're going to start doing those, like, sending text messages to Luca's account, like, to Luca's phone number <laughs> with no text history. We were like, I got you, brother. I got you today. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, uh, thank you thank for you so much. giving um, me uh, a bit of, like... Yeah lease on life if you are the last night it's oh fan who will shoot my wife in the next six months do it i fucking watch no, it don't, please don't do that i bet you won't you coward <laughs> find me follow the clues find me in real life this has been the special show i'm back to the lost broadcast yeah, back to the last podcast. Uh, where oh, the fuck were we? I don't know. We've discussed all the reasons like why the show sucks. Um, you know, it's it's. Oh, he- here's another like really big piece. I feel like mm. we mentioned that even when the show, like when even when the characters like aren't despising each other, it either feels like really perfunctory, like it's just marking time until they hate each other again, or it's really unbearable snark. There's like one episode where like Seth MacFarlane shows up and. <laughs> delivers, like, a speech about his, like, World of Warcraft character that is just, like, unbearable. Um, but you can find it on YouTube by uh, searching Flash Horror Most Epic Moments. And there's also maybe, like, the worst flirting exchange that I have ever seen on a network TV show. Esther, can I enlist you to read this with me? Yeah, so we're gonna just read this dialogue exchange word for word. Yeah, this is what the show is like when it's trying to be like characters liking each other and whatnot. So um, let's let's flip a coin yeah. uh, to determine which of us will be playing which character. All right. Um, it's heads. What does that mean? So that means that I will be playing the character of lesbian. Okay. 
And you're going to be playing Janice, who's on a date with lesbian in this scene. Let's do it. Okay. So uh, they're at a romantic restaurant. They're on a date. Yeah. And uh, they've been chatting for a little bit. And lesbian says, help me change the subject. What did you see in your flash forward? Well, I was on the International Space Station having a three-way with Hillary Clinton and Sarah Palin. Really? Actually, did I say I was in the restaurant? I meant I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and Angelina Jolie was the game show host. Oh, you slut. Yeah, Angie just asked me the million-dollar question. I went to phone a friend, you, but you didn't answer, so my millionaire moment was gone. Well, I don't buy that. What? Angelina Jolie would be a game show host? No, that I would ever let you down like that. And they kiss. And the character of lesbian is never seen again. No, never. (laughs) Never appears on the show even one more time. Uh, That's the show's attempt at being romantic and charming and likable in any way. It is peak, like, late 2000s snark brain. Um, There's, like, a chill wind that you can feel in the air. Uh, Joss Whedon is about to get the Avengers call. (laughs) (laughs) That is going to be the ascendant mode of culture in just a little bit. And like, you know, we can see it on the horizon, just like marching towards us balefully. Um, yeah, I think those are all like the main reasons that we had for why the show fucking sucks. We do want to bring up comparisons quickly to two important shows. Um, one that it bites really shamelessly and the other that it sort of like is before, but a really poor negative comparison to a show that did a lot of the same things. Uh, so the first one obviously is Lost, right? Um, there's things like the conspiracy corkboard. There's two beloved Lost main actors, like in the main cast that we mentioned. Midway through, they start doing like Lost flashback episodes structurally. Um, and there's a the fucking kangaroo. Can you tell me about the fucking kangaroo? Yeah, so when Mark wakes up from his flash forward, he just sees a kangaroo hopping around. And mm-hmm. this was clearly supposed to be their, like, their polar bear, right? Yeah. It's like, oh my god, what is this strange exotic animal doing in, in an this... unexpected location. Exactly. Um, and that's an example of something that's never... I mean, to say that it's never explained is, like, an insult to the concept of explaining things. Yeah. Because it's just, like... It's just not a part of the show that means anything. They just threw it in to put in the commercials to be like, oh, wow, what an odd thing that surely is part of a grand conspiracy. And it's just not. Like, they don't even bother to, in the most, like, stupid and cloying way, insert it into the conspiracy somehow. Yeah, they they wanted there to be, like, water cooler talk. Yeah. And they didn't even have, like, the guts to, like, have an episode cold open be like, here's a zookeeper that passed out and left a gate open or something like that. And that's the little journey that the kangaroo takes. It's like, there's no sense of poetry. There's no sense of like, you know, these little changes based on the blackout or based on people starting to move towards their flash forwards having like a butterfly effect. It's all just so, again, brutally mechanical and boring. And they can only think of imitating Lost in the most like shallow and basic ways and be like, please, we've just researched everything that people talked about with Lost, and we have that too, we promise. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't. Although they do eventually start doing just... They just straight up start doing Lost-style episodes where they focus on one character and alternate between the present and the past. Yep, yep. Um, And they just do it really clunkily and not in a way that ever, like, really reveals anything about the characters or, like, you know, 
has anything new to say about them or has some sort of new dimension or even really advances the plot sometimes. I mean, their, their version of the constant is in fact their best episode. It's yes. the one where like Bryce has his Mukoto Shinkai adventure. Yeah. And they clearly knew that like, oh, this is, this is the one, this is like the big one. Yeah. And it's like, it's fine. It's, I don't it's regret watching that episode of TV. Yeah. Um, but that's the best that they can hope for. <laughs> best they can do. Yeah. What's the other show? It's The Leftovers, um, which again, this airs before, so it's not biting it, but like, we could not stop thinking about all the differences to it, right? Where it's like... Because the premise, you know, 20 million people die in the blackout Mm -hmm. with this random event that affects the entire world equally and randomly. Um, So obviously it bears some similarity to The Leftovers, which if you don't know, is a show where a very small percentage of the population just disappears one day and no one knows where they went. They just vanish. And it's, you know, a small percentage, but enough where, like, everyone on Earth knows someone who disappeared, and it impacts everyone's life. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, definitely similar. And in fact, it's it's funny that it's so similar, because this show, Flash Forward, was originally pitched to HBO. Yes. Um, they wanted this to be, which, seeing how fucking, like, chintzy and lame and dumb it is. It would have been eaten alive yeah, as an it, HBO deal. It would have been, like, there, there's just, HBO has such a... Not, I'm not saying, like, every HBO show is great, but they have a base light of quality that is very different to, like, a network. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of, like, you, you just want to talk about, talk about, like, production value. It's, it's a different universe on HBO. Um, yeah, people would have been black-bagged by HBO executives for the lighting choices in the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, like, The Leftovers is all about, like, First of all, literally, that Leftovers tells you to let the mystery be. Yeah. What happened to these people doesn't matter. That's not what the show is about. Yeah, it's like the lyrics of the second season theme song. Exactly. Let the mystery be. Let the mystery be. Like, this show is not about what caused this disappearance. It's about the effect that an event like this would would have on people. Yeah, it makes everybody in the world, like, a little weirder and a little fucked up. Yeah. And it does a great job of, like, going down you know chasing down the paths that it's opened for itself and Mm -hmm. exploring all these different ideas of like how would an event like this affect people yeah um in really cool and smart and moving ways my favorite show the leftovers is a phenomenal television show yeah um and in this it's like three weeks after 20 million people just die uh everyone just has like a normal halloween (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no sense of, like, hmm. It's like, we got all those damn funerals out of the way. Now time to dress up as a skeleton. Exactly. As like, the world's most rights-free skeleton. It's like, there's no, there's no sensation, there's no discussion of, like, is this a sensitive thing to do, to go trick-or-treating right now? Yeah. But, you know, the discussions that people were having after 9-11, mm-hmm. you know, where 3,000 people died as opposed to 20 million. Yeah. Um, just, like... The show is both hype, way too hyper fixated on like the the idea of the blackout and everyone passing out, but it has no interest in like for either the flash forwards or the blackout, the you know the effect that it would have on people. Yeah, there it just like it just doesn't care. It is so fucking focused on just the mystery. How did it happen? Why did it happen? And Who it, did it? And it immediately like cares so little again about the actual event itself. 
that it just says like, okay, I'm done playing with you. What happens if it happens again? Right? Like, mm-hmm. can we stop it from happening again? And to think about that in the context of something like the leftovers is insane. If everybody was just being like, let's form a special government task force dedicated to like stopping the next sudden departure. Let's form a task force dedicated to not letting the mystery be. Then that would be like the worst possible version of that show. And it would be called Flash Forward. <laughs> yeah. So why don't we talk about like, you, you have something in your notes here about our friend Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to um, our beloved friend Jackson. Shout out. Um about like a misconception that they had about the show, like when I first mentioned it to them, which is that they heard this premise of like everybody in the world has the blackout and flash forward and whatnot, and immediately assumed that it would be like an episode by episode anthology or at least a procedural, right? That again, the show or that the event changes people's lives in so many weird idiosyncratic ways. Here's one of those ways every episode. Um, And if you really need it, then here's like a new government agency that is formed to sort of like help people adjust to these new strange realities and and like adjudicate on like strange things um and if you took that seriously like if you gave dick wolf this premise he could knock it out of the fucking park Mm -hmm. with 22 episodes a season that are weird unique spins on what can happen in somebody's flash forward that are all also tied to like current you know news issues or not right Mm -hmm. Um, we're not going to like list out all of these. It's just like, it took us five minutes to come up with like, here are things that if you're taking this flash forward premise at all seriously, why isn't there an episode where like, you know, people who act recklessly as possible because they already know, well, it's like, I'm going to survive. In fact, the show does this backwards. It does it backwards. There's a whole episode about this cult of people who didn't have flash forwards and they go to this like death club mm-hmm. where they're all like playing Russian roulette and doing Abu Ghraib torture to each other because it's like, well, we're going to die anyway. So who cares? And the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking like, wait, if they know they're going to die, wouldn't they be like the most self-preservationist? Wouldn't they be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to play Russian roulette. Like I might die. Because it just conflates these two ideas of, like, making the most of the time you have left and, like, you know, uh, I've seen the future and so I'm going to act in this way that, like, endangers my life. Yeah. Those are two different ideas. Meanwhile, the people who do have flash forwards, like, there is no sense of, like, well, I know I'm going to be alive, so I know nothing that bad will happen to me. Yeah, exactly. Also, notably, when they go to that, like, underground club of people who uh, didn't get flash forwards, Dimitri doesn't, like, have a conversation with any of them. He doesn't, like you know, learn about their ideology in a way that, like, tempts him a little bit, but then you realize, like, no, this is a corrosive vision and I have to keep fighting or whatnot. Because, again, they don't treat it seriously that he is going to die in, like, a flash-forward sense. They just treat it like he is an FBI guy who is hunting terrorists and gets, like, news from a doctor that it's like, you have six months to live and, you know, uh, we can put you on experimental drugs that may be able to treat you, but then you won't be able to catch the terrorists. That's the level of seriousness with which they treat this. Yeah. So what, what if there was also an episode where someone who thinks that they're happily married and like understand themselves in their flash forward, they're gay or they're like transitioning or something like that. Yeah. That seems like a gimme. Yeah. Just like this basic idea of like, I thought I had my life figured out. I thought that everything was good, but like now I see a completely different way that my life could go. And the closest they get to that is the cheating plot line. But like she, Olivia doesn't know uh dr lloyd 
yeah. before the flash forwards happen. She meets him the next day, and there is this feeling of like, oh, I want to stay away from this guy, but I'm treating his son or whatever. And yeah, it's yeah. just fucking, oh my god, it's miserable. What about a Minority Report episode, right? This one kills me they didn't do this. It's so obvious. Yeah. Hey, I'm being killed by this guy in my flash forward. I'm being killed by, you know, Dr. John Robert, John whatever. By presidential candidate John Roberts. By presidential candidate John Roberts, John Edwards. Any of those guys. They're all killing me. Um, Can you arrest him before that happens? And it's like, well, what does the law say about that? What do, like, insurance industries say about this, right? Like, if you don't post up on Mosaic with, like, a flash forward that can be corroborated by everyone else, are they just going to, like, fuck you on your premiums because you're about to die and they're trying to, like, extract as much as they can from you? Like, wh- what does this do to any segment of anybody's life ever? What if, like, there's sort of a mystery that they have to piece together from several different people's flash forwards? Yes. But, like, what if people are lying about what they saw? And, like, people yes. have gotten their stories straight so that, you know, they're trying, and, you know, there could be a whole episode where they're Gosh, trying to interrogate. Exactly, yeah. Where it's like, or, or, or like they have to, like, you know, Columbo someone and find the contradictions in their different yeah. stories and so that they can prove that they were lying. Like, what if there's a guy who goes to a bar and says, like, I am doing really awful in April. I shouldn't be alone right now. I need sympathy, pussy. <laughs> what if there was a guy who was just sitting watching TV, which you have to imagine most of yeah. the flash forwards were, and he's like, oh my God, am I really doing something that fucking boring in six months? That's my special vision of the future? Like, how does that change my life? And what we have described right now is like a B minus procedural. <laughs> it is not like, you know, something that we are putting a lot of passion into it's not saying that it would be like a, a fondly remembered show or whatnot, but it would be competent and it would have interesting ideas at least a little bit. And that alone would put it like way, way, way on a higher level than what Flash Short is capable of. And it's really fucking sad. Uh, instead, one thing that the show deigns to give us is some, is like uh, Gaius Baltar playing like a mega Rain Man type guy. Oh, fuck. Oh, Yeah. I didn't see this character. He was confined only to the four episodes that I didn't watch. He's so bad. He's so fucking embarrassing. His whole thing is like, he's an autistic savant and he has like an eidetic memory. Mm -hmm. So like the bad guys have been continually giving him flash forwards for years Uh because he can perfectly describe what he sees. Yeah. So that he, he's just been having flash forwards over and over and over again. Um, And if that sounds interesting, don't worry. It is deployed in the like, most disgustingly offensive and horrible performance yeah. of an artistic character I've maybe ever seen. It's like, it's worse than the Sia movie, honestly. Ew. It's so fucking bad. It's a wonder it made it to television. Yeah. It's, it's, I only saw one scene of it because I was like, I have to, to get a look at this. Um, it is exactly as bad as Esther is describing. Um, he is like constantly telling you that Qantas never crashed. He is constantly just like, <laughs> doing all these like tics and being really insensitive and and just like yeah having the most like surface level understanding of of what an autistic person would be like um because that's what the show is it's surface level understandings of everything (laughs) whereas it should be more like threshold level understandings of everything (laughs) you know they even fuck up ricky jay in this flosso you want to talk He's already. You've all heard Flosso by now. Yeah, he was our teaser episode, our teaser clip. So you all know about Flosso. He's a yeah. villain. Um, mm-hmm. Ricky Jay, the great Ricky Jay, really a, a brilliant loves magician performer, a brilliant performer. 
Which, <laughs> you got really defensive when you're yeah, telling right there. because Hannah doesn't believe me because she's pretty much only seen him in this shit. I also saw him in Deadwood. Yeah, well, he also, he's also in Boogie Nice. Okay. Um, and he was on Deadwood, and you liked him on Deadwood, or you thought he was fine. Um, Hannah's not responding. Esther, I still love you. <laughs> Even if I don't like magicians Look, as much as you do. It's not his fault that the character is so bad. It's just like, every... They have uh, Shoria Dashlu. Yeah. Wonderful actress with an extraordinarily long career. Mm-hmm. You know, in Iranian films all the and in American Chess films. Chess of the Wind. She was in Chess of the Wind. Now she's in Assassin's Creed. Yeah. She's one of the coolest <laughs> voices of anyone who's ever been a performer. Just like megawatt screen presence. She's terrible. Yeah. They, they give her nothing. She just like, they give her nothing to do but be on the phone and like eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> be on her phone eat hot chip and lie yeah she it's says it's awful uh what did she say she says um i lied because i didn't want to bring about the incident which i told you about look into my eyes your partner will kill you intentionally <laughs> <laughs> which she even invents in... the chat gpt speaking style <laughs> even in her great voice just sounds so stupid Very when it's written so. like that yeah um <laughs> should should we um move on now to to my segment let's talk about it let's talk about what happened when the show was airing and why it got cancelled yeah I premiered to why it got cancelled first off refer to everything in the episode before (laughs) do a a recursive loop and get back to this point in the episode exactly and then listen to it again and again and again and again and again (gasps) Um, the autistic guy that's what he would do yeah um, so the first episode of Flash Forward premiered to 12 and a half million viewers. That's pretty good. Nothing to sneeze at in 2009. It was yeah. a 13% share. Like, the evening that it aired, it was one of the biggest shows of the night, alongside, like, CSI and Grey's Anatomy. Okay. It was genuinely a, a sure. big premiere. And like we said, Lost was in the spring now, because the writer's strike had bumped season four back, so it just was a springtime show for the last half of its run. Yeah. So ABC in the fall... You're looking for a kind of sci-fi-ish mystery show? Ooh, we have I'll Flash Forward. Flash Forward. We've been marketing the shit out of it. It has a, like, primo Thursday night 8 p.m. slot. Um, you know, of course it premiered big. Um, in the fall, ratings pretty steadily declined. And by the end of its, uh, you know, first half run, the first 10 episodes, it was down to about 7 million viewers. Pretty bad, you know, to, to decline that much. But 7 million, if you can maintain an audience, maybe you can build it back up again, right? Yeah. Um, in the fall, it was getting absolutely crushed in its time slot by one of the worst seasons of Survivor, uh, Samoa. <laughs> People would rather watch Russell Hance than Flash Forward in the fall. Okay. Um, in my eternal quest to embarrass Esther on this show, I reveal that she has not watched Survivor Samoa. And she is going off of what other people have told her. I've seen Russell on other seasons. I don't need to have seen his original season. <laughs> I know it was bad. I know in my heart it was unwatchable. Okay, we are entering a new arc of this show where Esther stands up to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's about damn time. By episode two, she will be the dominant wife. <laughs> um... The show, unlike some other shows we've talked about, it ran, except for having a week off for Thanksgiving, it ran uninterrupted for those 10 episodes. Yeah. There were no awkward breaks, no moving time slots. Like, the dominant theme that you have to understand here is that ABC put everything they had behind it. Yeah. Um, so it, when it took a mid-season break, the unfortunate thing, the, the one thing they did that probably contributed the most to killing the show is that they took three months off Yeah. after episode 10. And... About two months after that, 
instead of bringing Flash Forward back immediately, they brought back the final season of Lost at the beginning of February. So if you were jonesing for Lost in the fall and you were like, oh, these first 10 episodes of Flash Forward really aren't doing it for me. Uh, when Lo- you pick Lost back up in February, you know, six weeks later, <laughs> Flash Forward comes back. Who cares? Lost is on. Yeah. You know, it's like by the time it came back, Lost was halfway through its final season, commanding yeah. an enormous amount of attention. Yeah. You know, it had it did not have the viewership that it had. This is like 10 to 12 million. Though. But yeah, like very solid. It was a it was a big deal. Culturally, it was a huge deal. Um, Flash Forward is also now airing against one of the best seasons of Survivor, Heroes vs. Villains. Esther has seen that one. Which, is, yeah, it's one of the best seasons of any television show, frankly. Yeah. Um, absolutely crushing it. It came back to six million viewers. It lost a million on in its off-season. Um, by the end of the series, it had dropped to as low as four. From a 12.5 million premiere. Yeah. Its big two-hour mid-season premiere event had the same number of viewers in its time slot as a repeat of Bones. Hooray! <laughs> so, like, what you gotta understand here is, like, this is not a show that was failed by the network, like no. a lot of shows we've talked about so far. This show just fucking failed because yeah. it sucked. I, if, if I can play a very slight devil's advocate, um, one thing that you might notice as a bit of a contradiction in terms is that they gave it what would theoretically be the best possible time slot, Thursdays at 8 p.m. But that is also a very family-friendly time slot. And what does Flash Forward love most in the world? People screaming at each other, alcoholism, dissolution of marriages, things of that nature. Yeah, shooting people constantly. Every- like, it's not like a bloody show, but it's no. an action show. There's action sequences, there's fighting, there's shootouts. And it's not like cool martial arts action, right? Yeah. It's like very mechanical, like... Uh, uh, shootouts and like if people are doing fist fights and it's like really boring slow ugly fist fights. this is not a family show not because it is too violent or sexual but, but because just because there's like, a lesbian on it well i mean that also contributed probably um but it, uh, <laughs> to, to, the, to the ratings the family arc. to the ratings it contributed to the damn ratings esther will be divorcing me <laughs> and becoming like one of, like, the five, like, gay people who like Ron DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, like, the the ultimate point is, like, w- you cannot imagine a family, parents and children, sitting down to watch this show. Yeah. Because children would just find it tedious and boring and, like, a t- adult uh, in its way. And, like, you know, parents wouldn't like it because it was bad. Whereas Lost, I think, mm-hmm. for all that it was genuinely more violent and more sexual than Flash Forward, I think yeah. is more of a family show because it's more exciting. It has more, like, fun characters for that kids could get into. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my my family watched Lost when it was airing. Yeah. Um, and look how I turned out. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, it is... The, the show was not failed. Mm-hmm. It, it just failed. It did drop a number of showrunners. It did have some behind-the-scenes drama. It's true. Um, David S. Mark Guggenheim was the original showrunner. He left two weeks after ABC picked it up for a full season run. Ooh. Um, we still don't know why. We still don't know why. David S. Goyer uh, then picked up the reins, and he left shortly thereafter to focus on his movie career. Uh, what um, movie would that have been? The first movie released after he left Flesh Forward was Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Right. So um, I'm glad he left for bigger and brighter things. Um, so that just left Brandon Braga and uh, David's wife, Jessica, and two other showrunners who are completely anonymous. It's a lot of fucking showrunners. But it's like, the problem with the show isn't that it has so many conflicting visions. It's that it doesn't have a vision to begin with. Yeah. 
it's it's not like I mean something that we noted with Threshold is that like there was a sort of showrunner that was a rookie that doesn't have a Wikipedia page and was in a position to get bullied by like higher standing in Hollywood EPs. I can't imagine anybody doing the bullying in this show because it's like that would imply that there was like a real creative vision that people got bullied into. Exactly. And it's just not. Um, oh, the other thing is that an ep- a show that we'll talk about at some point down the line is V, yeah. which ABC was airing at the same time. And basically... If you're that one person who responded on Twitter and said that V isn't a loss, like, they don't care. That one Twitter user who don't play about V. Yeah, you're our enemy now. <laughs> we will release a V episode and crush you. <laughs> um... And basically, when it came down to it, when it came down to brass tacks, ABC decided to bet the farm on the success of V and gave that a second season instead of Flash Forward. V was almost immediately canceled again. And even even though it had two seasons, those two seasons consisted of only 22 episodes. (laughs) The same number as was given to Flash Forward. That's our, like in Lost, the arc numbers are, uh, you know, 48, 15, 16, 23, 42. Our arc numbers are 9, 13, and 22 for uh, numbers of episodes that these shows get before being canceled. When I was looking at contemporaneous reviews of the show... They loved it. At first, um, there was a lot of pre-release buzz, a lot of people, a lot of outlets I noticed were really compelled by the idea of, like, it's like Lost, but you get answers. Yeah. People really wanted that. You know, I, I... it just had become sort of a meme surrounding Lost that the show never explained anything, even though it did constantly. It, you know, revealed answers and solutions and, you know, just all the time on that show. Yeah. Um, but by the time it was going into its final season, that was the a prevailing opinion about it. So the idea of, like, it's a show like Lost, but we're not going to string you along was something that got people really excited. Um, pretty much immediately, all that excitement completely evaporated yeah. You know, when we were looking for like nerd blog stuff for our first three episodes, there was a lot of discussion of all three of those shows. People genuinely liked on the internet. You could find people genuinely liking all three of those shows. Mm-hmm. I did not find anything like that for Flash Forward. No. I found, you know, obviously Emily at the AV Club thought the show was terrible and ripped into it in that classic, you know, 2000s AV Club way. Yeah, those yeah, reviews yeah. are great. You should go read them. She um, didn't have pity. No. Um, <laughs> the only people I found who like genuinely seemed to enjoy the show were Auto Straddle, just because it had a lesbian on it. Oh man, that rolls. Um, okay, but no, th- there were other people who enjoyed the show, right? There were like fanfic writers. So yes, there you know I, there was a, a respectable amount of fanfic for a a one season show. Did you find any? I did. So you know, most of it was about uh, Mark. Dimitri, Lloyd, Olivia, or Simon in various pairings. Sure. Um, I found one. Um, Hannah, I'm going to want you to go ahead and click on that now. Uh, You're going to read this for me. Uh, all of it? <laughs> it's only 789 words. Oh, uh, what's the title? Put your lipstick on parentheses. Here I come. This is a Simon slash Janice slash Dimitri Vic. Uh, its additional tags are cross-dressing and pre-relationship. And with that, Hannah, begin. Dear God, Janice said, staring. She didn't think it was possible not to stare, really. Her neighbors are going to be talking about this for a good long while, no doubt. As if they already didn't think her life was strange enough, being a female FBI agent. And a lesbian. Nope, said Simon. 
just us. Do you think maybe we could come in? My feet are killing me, Dimitri said. It's the heels, Simon said. I did tell him not to wear heels. Janice looked at the shoes Dimitri had kicked off the moment he'd been inside. They looked like they might take someone's eye out if wielded by an expert. Pretty, though. Sexy. On the right pair of feet. Did you tell him to wear a lipstick? Simon, well, Simon was Simon. She doubted he'd never dressed up as a woman before. And there was nothing wrong with that, obviously. Janice wholly approved of people dressing up however they wanted. So long as they did it for the right reasons. <laughs> because they liked it, not because dressing up like somebody wouldn't help him dodge a bullet. Just helped him pick the right shade, Simon said. He was sprawling in her favorite comfortable chair, looking quite at ease. Really no description of the chair. <laughs> Looks good on him, doesn't it? Brings out his eyes. Dimitri scowled. Janice considered kicking out Simon and offering Dimitri the private use of her bathroom. It seemed a fair course of action. Okay, I'll bite. What's going on? Well, you're gay, Simon said. <laughs> Simon Campos, master of stating the obvious. Still better than his act as master of cheesy pickup lines. Yes? So? So you're attracted to hot, sexy women, Simon said. I can vouch, by the way. <laughs> That's what gay women are attracted to. Hot, sexy women? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Such as these two fine specimens in front of you. How best to phrase this? Simon, you're not a woman. Neither is Dimitri. Uh. Simon lifted a finger to stab the air triumphantly, but if it looks, talks, and quacks like a duck, then it's still not a duck, Janice said. Dem, care to tell me what this is really about? Ducks, Dimitri said. It's a team up, Simon explained. One for all and all for one. That sort of thing. Male bonding over the one woman you know you can never have. Are you drunk? No, let me rephrase that. How drunk are you exactly? Neither of them looked flushed, and he'd been walking steadily enough. Well, steadily enough given their footwear. We had coffee before, Dimitri said. I didn't want to do this drunk. You didn't want to do this drunk, Janice repeated. Damn, come on, you best friend, Simon said, since Quantico and before. Classic scenario, girl thinks of boy as a friend, boy thinks of girl as a, well, you know. <laughs> and you're just along for the ride. The idea of Simon, Simon, noticing this kind of thing about Dimitri when she hadn't was rather offensive, Janice decided. It made her want to beat him up, although, and to be fair, rather a lot of things that Simon said, and did, had that effect on her. Simon grinned. I wouldn't have put it quite so explicitly, but if you're offering, sure. I'm not offering, Janice said. Simon wasn't hard on the eyes or anything, not even when he was dressed like a guy. He was just annoying. And too keen on reminding people he had a penis. Folks, you ever think trans women do that too much? I'm doing it all the time. Um, Esther, why are you making me do this? There's not that much left. What do I get out of it? <laughs> I'm negotiating now. Alright, what do I get if you stop? Um, we will watch Final Destination 4, the one with the 3D glasses that I've been dreading watching. Okay, you got yourself a deal. 
Okay. You don't have to read any more. Amazing. This was uh, this was also, by the way, posted three years after the show was canceled. <laughs> Who the fuck would do that? <laughs> All right, look, you just got to take it up with um, Misura, Hi, Misura. On, on AO3, who has written 35 uh, fanfics about white collar. <laughs> just into uh, the absolute most boring television shows. Okay. Um, am I free now? You're free. We can talk about anything we want. Uh I want to go home, Esther. <laughs> is that I'm it? I'm done with this fucking episode. There's is, nothing else, is that? There's nothing. I, I mean, I don't think we have to continue talking about Flash Forward. No. Um, it was a pretty bad show. It deserved to get canceled. Yeah. Um, it, des- it deserved to die. It David Escoyer deserves to die. It tried to be a Lost like that addressed all the fa- like fan criticisms of Lost. And you know what that is? Um, you're describing uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of the Skywalker. Yes, it is the it is the rise of Skywalker, of television. Mm-hmm. Next time, <laughs> let's watch a much better show. Promise I would love we'll do that. that. I, I promise, because I, I want that. What I are we going to watch? Both of us. We're going to watch a little show called Daybreak. Yes, this is the one that I was contemporaneously a huge fan of. Um, if it turns out to suck, I'll be heartbroken, but um, I doubt it will. So, we're looking forward to that. 2006's Daybreak. See you in a month where we get to talk about that. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Lost Broadcasts. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Lost Broadcasts Mm -hmm. for uh, information about upcoming episodes. You can subscribe to us on (laughs) any audio listening platform you want. iTunes, Spotify, any of that junk. We would love it if you would review us on iTunes. Those are like a huge deal apparently. And they make us smile. You can email us at thelostbroadcast at gmail.com. All things must end. <laughs> oh, gosh. Is there anything else? Uh, you can follow me at Cappy Paranus. You can follow me at Hannah Yolo. Okay, let me just see here. Um, oh, if we vamp for 30 seconds, we can cross the two-hour mark. Fuck off. All right. That's all, folks. We'll see you next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.